0: you
1: Thank you, Bell Choir. Some of you may be wondering, how can I join the Bell Choir? We have Bell Choir for people of all ages. Uh, Reach out to Brian or any one of us, and we'll connect you to the right folks so that you may join in this beautiful ministry. My name is Uyun, one of the pastors here. We're so grateful to gather on the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. Grateful that our organist is back, yes, after a couple of weeks of absence, (laughs) he's back with us. As always, uh Any one of you could have been doing a whole number of different things, but here we are uh, in person and online. We're so grateful that you are here. May you encounter the loving, graceful presence of God as we worship together. There are a couple of ways in which we can connect. There's the physical hospitality path at the end of your pews. You can fill that out and pass it to your neighbors. You can use the back of the bulletin. There's a QR code there for your smartphone to use. And then also, for those of us online, there's a link that you can click on to let us know who you are and how we can connect with you, especially if you're a relatively new or First-time visitor, We love to get to know you more and hear your stories. We're so grateful to be together.
2: I'm very grateful to be with you, Bill. What else is going on today? Well, it's fall. Uyan. There's so much going on in the life of the church, but I'm just going to highlight very quickly. You know, next week is October 1st. It's a family worship day, meaning we don't have Sunday school uh, for those kindergarten and above, the younger children. But we do have Journey Around the World. It's going to be in Jubilee Hall, 945 to 1045. You know, a lot of times we wonder where our money goes and where we're involved in missions. Come, find out all the different places where our church is involved in the life uh, and community around the world through mission work. Hope you'll be there. 945 Jubilee Hall next week. Now, let us prepare our hearts for morning worship. of faith this morning is the Apostles' Creed. It's numbered 881 in the back of your hymnals. Let us unite in this historic confession of our Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and buried,
1: It is a privilege to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism today Haley and Anthony Hendren bring their daughter Eloise Halsey and Camilla and Will Smoke bring their daughter Mary Margaret Netherland.
2: Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we're initiated into Christ's holy church. We're incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation, given new birth through the water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. So on behalf of the whole church, I ask you now, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to renounce evil and repent of your sins? If so, say, we do. Do you confess Christ as your savior which your trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord? If so, say, we do. we do. And will you nurture these children in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, profess their faith openly, and lead a Christian life? If so, say, we will. And to the members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, will you include these families now before you in your care? Will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? And will you surround these families with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others? And will you pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life? If so, answer with the words, we will. We will. Let us pray.
1: Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those in the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the cloud a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives. That dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Eloise Halsey Hendren, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Mary, Margaret, Netherlands, smoke, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said unto the light of the world, so let your light shine before others. Children of God, as you grow in age, may you also grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice and welcome you to the family of God.
2: I invite you to take your worship bulletins now and turn to the prayer confession, which is printed there. Let us confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. My friends, hear the good news this morning. Christ died for us while we're yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven in the name of jesus christ you are forgiven glory to god
3: gospel reading is matthew chapter 20 beginning with the first verse for the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day he sent them into his vineyard and going out about the third hour he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and to them he said And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the householder, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I chose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. This is the word of God for the people of God.
0: Thanks be to God.
1: For those of us with kids or been around kids, I wonder what's the, first, what's the first word that our kids utter out of their mouths, right? Something like mama, dada, hi, bye, more is another popular. one-syllable word, right? What about sentence? What are some of the first sentence our young ones say? Just complex thought. Maybe incomplete, maybe not proper grammar, but what's the first sentence that they utter? Now, I've not really done extensive research on this, but in my experience, whether it be my own kids and even other kids that I've been around, I think one of the more common, complex thought our young ones convey to us as children is no fair. No fair. Uh, Researchers have long known that we human beings, we have the propensities wired in us to compare ourselves to other groups of people, other tribes. Um, Psychologist and primatologist Franz DeWall, he writes that even the primates have a very keen sense of fairness, and they equate their sense of fairness with their sense of justice. So whenever they feel like something's unfair, these primates become quite violent at times. What's fair? Uh, some people may think that Duke football being 4-0, and that's very unfair. <laughs> one of my friends who still works at Duke, he called me, and we were just catching up. And he said, hey, Leon, do you remember what Duke football's record was our last year there? And I, me being the optimist that I am, I, I, th- I said, I, t- I told him, I think we won two games. And he said, no, we won one game our last year there. The good thing about winning one game is that you have nowhere to but go up. So the next year, Duke football won zero game. <laughs> the good thing about winning zero game is that you have nowhere to but to go up. The very next year, Duke won one game. So what comes around, goes around, we're 4-0, oh. yay. Yeah. <laughs> What's fair? What's fair? I've sat uh, with families in hospital where uh, they celebrate, we celebrate together, tears of joy for the miraculous cure that their loved one received. In the same church, a few months later, I've sat at the very same hospital, tears of mourning and grief and sadness for their loved one as they said goodbye. For the same disease, except for this time there was no cure. What's fair? I was born in the early 90s in Seoul, South Korea. 100 miles north, I'm sure there are plenty of children born around the same time. But 100 miles north for them, they were born in North Korea. They're not in Charlotte. What's fair? I got church parishioners who've worked very, very hard in their lives, made a great living, have a home, have a retirement. They get to visit their friends and family whenever they want. I also have church members who've worked just as hard, if not harder no home. He'll work until the day that he dies, no retirement. What's fair? What's fair? Our parable today is a a pretty well-known one. This is something that we studied during our Sunday school lessons, yes? There are, uh, depending on the translation of you read, there's a landowner, householder, master. So this said person goes out to hire workers, Early in the morning, 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. for one denarius. One denarius is enough for one day's wage for one person. It harkens back to the concept of manna, daily provision. Time for the wages to be given. Soon, the early laborers realized that those who came very late, even at the 11th hour at 5 p.m., they're receiving one denarius. Comes their turn, they also receive one denarius. And there is a whole lot of grumbling. Turns out grumbling against God is one of the favorite pastime of God's people. Is there from the beginning. You want Genesis... Exodus, onto the New Testament, so much grumbling. A few decades ago in the mid-late 90s, this is when we still used to watch television. Remember those days? Uh, There was uh, several different very popular night news shows like Dateline, Primetime, 2020. Those shows, they would do docuseries and... One of the stories that they did, a human piece that they did, always kind of stuck in my mind. I wish I knew more detail, but I just remember seeing this story about an inmate who was on death row. And this is not an isolated incident. There are other stories like this. This inmate's on death row, and toward the end of his time, before he is finally sentenced and gone to the room, He has a last-second, last-minute conversion experience where he proclaimed Jesus as Lord, became a disciple of Christ. And it kind of made me feel a certain kind of way. I couldn't quite articulate why I felt that way. Sometime later, I realized what I was feeling. You know what it was? It was anger. It was grumbling. I didn't like it. Why? I didn't like the fact that there was any and all possibility of someone like him who've harmed so many people, caused so many pain, that he may just end up in the same place as I might upon my passing. I didn't like it at all. The so-called hard-working and good people. We always ask ourselves this question, what kind of God would offer the same kind of reward, same kind of compensation for those who've done the work, as well as those who've really not done much at all? As it turns out, our God is a lousy bookkeeper. Jesus' bookkeeping violates our sense of right and wrong. His boot violates our sense of how things ought to be if we should run the world. It violates our understanding of fair wage. And so this parable really invites us to take another look, to reflect in a different way with loving and honest eyes as God would see us. A couple of years ago, our senior pastor, Dr. Howe, did a Bible study on this very same passage, and he points out something that's pretty obvious but I never really thought about. He said that one of the challenges of this and the fallacy of this passage and our interpretation of it for us Christians is almost all of us, when we read this passage, we assume ourselves to be the early workers. Very few of us, if any of us, ever think that we're the 5 p.m. workers who showed up late. Why is that? There is a particular kind of arrogance about me I think myself not as the 3 o'clock, certainly not 5 o'clock, 3 o'clock, noon, not even 9. I'm the one who shows up even before 9. I'm the early worker. And it turns out the, the longer I've kind of lived life and have reflected prayerfully, it seems pretty obvious that there are plenty of people who look upon my life and say, "Ooh, you're the 5 p.m. guy. Don't get it twisted. You're the 5 p.m. guy. We also learn from this parable upon closer look that it is the landowner that goes, the master that goes and finds the worker regardless of what time they show up. Did you notice, for all the workers, when the master goes, what are they doing? What do we find them to be doing? We read that they're standing around idle, lost, not knowing what to do, how to live. doesn't matter if they're early, nine or three or noon or five. They're equally lost. They're standing around laying idle. It is only when the master comes that they're put to work. That is to say that the very grace of the master who takes the time to find the workers that precedes and supersedes any and all timing when we show up, That's irrelevant compared to the grace and the callings of the master. And instead of reflecting upon this grace, the workers are so driven and blinded by envy, they fail to give thanks. So the landowner asks, are you envious, are you upset? The Greek translation says, do you have evil in your eyes? Because I am generous. This is a very familiar passage, very familiar story. All throughout the Old and New Testament, Jonah and the Ninevites, why is Jonah so angry? Because God is mean? No. Jonah is angry precisely. In fact, Jonah says, take my life. I can't stand this anymore. Precisely because God chooses to rescue and save the Ninevites. Because he's generous in the parable of the the lost sons in luke why is the older son so mad at the father because the father opens his doors his household to the younger brother to say all that i have is yours but what's been lost is found are you mad that i'm generous and here's the landowner the householder the master who asked the workers What you're receiving is more than enough. Regardless of when you showed up, are you mad that I am generous? God does not reward based on what we deserve. God does not reward based on the quantity or the quality of work. God rewards through God's grace. Unmerited, undeserved, unexpected. God's justice, unlike the primate's, is not rooted on fairness. God's sense of justice is rooted in God's generosity. Anne Lamott writes these words, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. Perhaps this parable invites us to reexamine, reflect our lives and the lives of those around us through grateful eyes, through thanksgiving lens. If all grace is unmerited and undeserved, here's the truth. All of us, most of us, probably all of us, we're far closer to the 5 p.m. workers than the early ones. We're all in the grip of God's grace, completely dependent on the generous master. So friends, perhaps this is something that we can do together. We have been doing so, and we can continue to do so together. Let us be grateful, people, as a family of God. Let us give thanks. Whenever we feel the temptation of resentment creep in, Let's remind ourselves, let's remind each other, whether it be 9, noon, 3, 5 p.m., it is the grace of God that rescues us, that all of us, regardless of the timing of it all, all of us were once lost, and now we are found. All of us were once blind, but now we see. All of us were standing around, idle, idle. It was the master who found us, who called us, and gave us good work to do. And for this we give thanks, amen.
4: Friends, would you join me in a time of prayer? The most holy one, we have gathered in your presence again on this beautiful morning to behold your majesty, to draw near to your greatness, and once again to offer our thanks and praise. For you are the source of everything and anything that is good. You are the cornerstone of our community. You are the strength of our spirits. And so we bless and praise you and ask that you never let us lose sight of your justice, your mercy, your generosity. Lord, in your mercy. Most merciful God, while we place our trust in your eternal justice, we are the most grateful for your unending mercy. We dare to appeal to some sense of fairness when in truth we should humble ourselves in deep gratitude for your generosity. We do so many things that disappoint you and that embarrass us. Forgive our fear of the future. Forgive our lack of trust in you. Forgive our failure to live by faith, confident in your goodness. Create in us clean hearts and renewed spirits and restore our joy in your salvation even as you sustain us in our willingness to follow you. Lord, in your mercy. On this morning, we lift up into the light of your presence the friends and families of Paul Gibson and Sharon High, who have finished their course in faith and now rest from their labor. Comfort them and grant to all of us that unshakable hope, the assurance that you are with us, holding us close to your own heart, even in the face of life's challenges when the difficulties of life envelop us like a fog, when discouragement and disappointment cloud our view, help us to see you in our midst and to be grateful. Lord, in your mercy. Healing God, we pray for the healing of your groaning world. Let us hear your groaning along with us and turn our groans into action as we join you in caring for those living in poverty or oppressed by violence and war or abuse of any kind. Sustain and strengthen all who work for peace and justice, who strive to turn the minds of others to good and not evil. Use us to restore, respect, and honor the dignity of all people, for we each carry your holy image. Above all, grant us the deep joy found only in you, the joy that leads to a peace beyond all understanding, which can never be taken away. We ask all this in the name of your Son, our Savior Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as the ushers come forward and as we prepare to bring to God his tithes and our offerings, I want to thank you again for your generosity because your generosity mirrors that of God. And that kind of generosity is what allows us here to offer so many ways to this community to be in the presence of the living God. Thank you. Almighty God, what a privilege it is to reflect your generosity in our own. Receive these gifts, multiply them, and use them for your purposes in your kingdom, to your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
1: Be grateful. Be grateful. Oh God, we are grateful. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.